0: Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment
1: advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready. Get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. We got another Hobby Hustle Friday conversation. This time, it's with somebody with a really interesting background. I talk with Andy, who is the sports card investigator. That is no gimmick, ladies and gentlemen. That is a real thing. This guy spent the last 30 years as a DEA agent, and now he's retired, and he's taking that inside. And knowledge from his DEA days into the sport card market and hobby. It is pretty incredible. We talk about his approach to research, his approach to finding content creators online and identifying who knows their stuff or not. And we talk a whole lot more. I think Andy is a really good dude. He's the type of guy that this hobby needs. This is like the wild, wild west. There's no regulations. And I think Andy is someone who's got a nice mindset and some really good ideas and recommendations about how we can all be approaching the market. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. I am really excited for this conversation. So I think the best part about the hobby is meeting new people, hearing their stories, and connecting, whether it's an email, direct messages on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. I think there's so many knowledgeable people with such diverse backgrounds that it is to all of our advantage to get out there and meet new people and communicate with them regularly. I always say flex into your background and skill set or your superpowers when navigating the hobby. And I think our guest today has certainly an interesting background and does that. So I am joined today by Andy and Andy is the sports Card Investigator on YouTube and Instagram. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing awesome, Brett. Thanks. So I definitely... We got connected and we just started sharing messages on Instagram, found out you were starting a YouTube channel and... Definitely realized quickly we had a similar mindset when it came to approaching the hobby. I think before we talk about the hobby, I'd like to talk about your professional background because I think it ties everything together that we're about ready to talk about. So why don't you let the audience know what you've done professionally and what you just retired?
0: Sounds great. Well, yeah, I'm a retired DEA agent, been 25 plus years with the Drug Enforcement Administration and worked all over the country and actually outside of the country. I worked in places like Philadelphia, Phoenix, uh, was in Washington, D.C., was in Bogota, Colombia. If you guys ever watched the show Narcos on Netflix, I was down there when that was going on. So that was kind of a if you're a DEA agent and, you know, that's your life goal is to be down in some place like Colombia when Pablo Escobar was still around. So that was kind of cool and ended up my career 13 years in Detroit and retired and then moved back to uh, Philadelphia. But most of my career as a a DEA agent and supervisor was investigating um, drug crimes. And a lot of people say like, wow, it's really a weird way from investigating drug traffickers to go into cards. But um, if you watched any of my YouTube videos, there's a definite correlation between investigating drug traffickers and then also looking into investing sports cards. So I was anxious to share my information on how that's done. Yeah, I
1: think I've never met a DEA agent before, but can tell that you have a process. Before I let you off the hook on the DEA agent side, maybe I'm curious, what is just some just crazy story that you've got from your whole career as a DEA agent that um, you can share with the audience?
0: Well, there's tons of different you know stories that I could get into and tell, but it's mostly the old adage is your career is 99% boredom followed by 1% of sheer terror. <laughs> so <laughs> That's kind of how my career went. As I said, I was lucky enough to be in Bogota when Pablo Escobar was there and the Ochoas and we were right in the middle of the, the of the late eighties and early nineties when it came into drug trafficking. But as far as stories go, I did everything from, you know, the being undercover, working within an organization to um to do like a multi million dollar money laundering investigation. So it just ran the full gamut.
1: Wow. Yeah. You've got the Escobar notch on your belt. So we'll just leave it at that. Let's, let's pivot then into talk about just your hobby history. I know before we jumped on, you talked about being in the hobby and being connected, working with your son in the hobby. And I think that's super cool. So maybe brief us on just like your hobby history and how long you've been in the game.
0: Well, I've actually been interested with sports cards for most of my entire life. I mean, I was thinking back before the call was my earliest memory was going to the store and buying a pack of cards. And then those cards that we deemed weren't good cards, we would get a clothes pin for people that are you know don't know what a clothes pin is. It was basically when people used to hang their clothes outside their house and attach them to the spokes of our bikes and drive around to make motorcycle noises. So it's been a far cry from that. But my whole adult life, I've been into sports cards and collecting, and it's just one of those things that I had a passion for. And then when my son was born, after he was about five or six years old, he got into it, which was really cool. And then from there, we just collected together, um, and we still do up until this day. And then over the past several years, you know, just, as the, the, uh, the hobby or the industry exploded, I got more into the actual collecting, selling, buying, and investing into cards.
1: Now, are there any sports specifically that you're focused on, or is it everything?
0: Yeah, I'm a basketball guy. I mean, a lot like a one-trick pony. I do like football, but I'm not as my expertise really lies with basketball. And specifically with basketball, it's kind of a redundant thing, but I like first-year rookies. So when I look at each year of that rookie crop, I kind of go hard into them. And then if I do my homework, which we could talk about later, but if I do my job correctly as a investigator and a buyer then i'm set for the following year now that doesn't mean i'll never look at an opportunity and go back if it presents itself but i tried to stay focused on that kind of thing but what i do say is well, also when i talk about a process you can apply that the process of buying uh, or investing into any card that i talk about it's just that your expertise that you want when you're targeting a certain Hard just differs, obviously, if you're more have expertise in that specific sport, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and actually, I do. Let's talk about that a little bit. So, expertise in a specific sport. I think the last couple episodes of stacking slabs, I've been talking about that, and it comes from the perspective of I don't talk about baseball. It's not because I don't like baseball. It's just because I don't have a team in Indianapolis. I didn't grow up obsessing over it. I watched it from afar, but I have the Pacers. I have the Colts. So I've been more focused on those sports and those are my interests. So when I talk about cards, it's usually in in direct relationship with football or basketball. So I think I specifically like to talk about things that I have a knowledge set on that I care about. But I think like there might be some things that are going on in the hobby where maybe people are just sharing information because they see other people doing it, but might not actually have a deep passion or knowledge set for those sports. Do you have any thoughts
0: on that? I think you should you should stay with what you're comfortable with. I mean, I have other guys, I call it like my, the inner circle of guys that I go to when I have a question. I'm starting to get a little bit into baseball and I don't know much about the guys in baseball other than, you know, certain individuals everyone talks about. The Sotos, the Acuña's and then you hear about these new kids, the Dominguez and, you know, some of these guys, but I I really think that if you're going to and this is a whole other story, a whole other story we could talk about, but if you're going to recommend some players or specific things to people. You should have a knowledge base of that. Or if not, at least tell a, walk through a process on, on what you're thinking is. But I just would never feel comfortable saying, hey, Brett, let's talk about like soccer or hockey. I, I just would, that's just not me.
1: Totally. And I think your mindset there is sounds where I've mentioned on the show that I need to talk more baseball, but it's probably not going to be me, but that's bringing on other people to talk about baseball. And that's like you, like you might be interested in buying some baseball cards. However, you're going to lean on people in your inner circle to maybe give you information. So can you talk about just like the building of the inner circle and how you make those connections and how that level of trust is built and is there? Because I think that's something that's really really powerful and can help people in the hobby kind of take a couple steps forward a little more quickly than just trying to do it on their own?
0: Yeah, now that's a really difficult question, because as I said, my background is reading people and, you know, doing investigations and just learning how to build relationships. So it's very difficult. My thing is being new to the social media world. And I say this on my videos this is a brand new thing for me because the drug enforcement administration administration kind of frowns on their agents being in social media so this is a whole new world for me so what i did when i wanted to learn more about getting people that i could trust is through discord channels starting a relationship with them on the on the chat you know the one on one chats asking them a bunch of questions see how forthcoming they were. And I hate to say it, um, but almost testing them in a way because like any good investigator usually knows the answers before they ask. So it's that kind of thing. And I was very lucky to run into someone like Jordan who does uh, sports analytics and Chris, and now speaking with you, but I trust people, but I also verify. So you really have to do your homework. And there's a lot of people out there now um, that I, I think you know if you want to get into that a little bit on the internet where they come off as like they're sports sports investors, I call them sports influencers because you really have to take a deep dive on what people say. And if you can listen to what they say and work backwards on their information and see where it's coming from, you're gonna have a better opportunity to succeed. And then you'll know whether or not these people can be, I hate to say trusted, but there's someone that you can look for in gaining valuable information in the future.
1: I love that. I like what you say and definitely it's your background rising to the top, but find verifying people. And I think, you know, there, there is so much nonsense that's out there right now. And I tell everyone who listens to stacking slabs, I study markets for a living. I obsess over the details. I research. And there's straight up nonsense out there. And it's people that are, are have a are trying to create a platform to whether it's get YouTube famous, whether it's just to share information because they're trying to sell pics. And if you take the time to dig into what they're sharing, it's just not good information. Can you maybe talk about like what how how somebody who's consuming YouTube channels, podcasts, whatever it may be, how can people begin the process of, of verifying these people on their own throughout their own process just to see if these sources are legitimate or not? Do you have any have any steps or, or thoughts around that that people listening can start taking into account when they're consuming content?
0: I do. And I think you mentioned my last YouTube video, which was a lot of work. It's I, I I think it's the best video no one has seen. But if you... It's look- great.
1: Go watch it. Go, we'll put it in the show. Now. I meant to mention it, but since you're going into it, I'm going to steal this and just hype it a little bit. So Andy put a video together. It's called How to P- Properly Research Sports Cards. And it is... Um, there's some comedy in there. Andy leans on his background as a DEA agent. I like it because you do a great job of highlighting different persona types that exist within the hobby. But it's definitely worth the watch. After I watched it, I think I watched on a Saturday, I messaged Andy and said, this is great. We need to bring you on the show. So it'll be in the show notes. Everyone watch it and subscribe to his channel. It's good stuff. Go ahead. No, I
0: appreciate it. But that came as when I first started doing or thinking about going out there, I'm like, what am I going to and my background as an agent obviously was investigations but i spent about six years running the educational program for the division and there's really nothing out there now And i'm diverting a little bit but i promise i'll get back on track there's nothing out there where someone can go and say well how do i you know research or how do i invest in sports cards there's not the researching sports cards for dummy book Now, there's a lot of people out there that that I will look at because I think they're good, but there's a lot that are not. And the episode that I've actually put together was not, I wish I could say it was just made up, but it wasn't. I mean, someone recommended that you should buy Marvin Bagley because... He was literally, the reason was because he's got it, he's swaggy. And then he was opening one of the cards and it was a shiny card. And I'm like, what, what is going on with this? And then a couple of days later, I looked and his his $8 base card was like, you know, had to sell for like, you know, $30. I'm like, this makes no sense. So I'm like, no, this people have to know when they look at people out there that are giving information, what can you do to protect yourself? Now, the problem is, and look, I'm an older guy, I get it, and sometimes I come off as a little crass and I I say that it is what it is, but I think you have to know, if I'm gonna be honest, I just wanna make sure people are realizing that what I'm saying is from the heart because I don't want people to get hurt. And the thing is, if you believe everyone on face value, then shame on you because you can look at any given person and they can say, sell Zion. And then three weeks later, they're going to say, hold Zion. And then three weeks later, they're going to say, sell Zion. It just changes. And you never know, because if I say every possible thing, then I'm going to be right at least one of the times, right? So what what I do when I look at these guys is I go back and I actually look at everything they've put out. And if someone tells me, I've done my research I think he's a good buy. And we end it with, I've done my research. I'm usually moving on. Because I want to know what you did in order to recommend this card. Yeah. And by looking on eBay and saying he was $5 today, and now he's seven, and now he's nine, that doesn't tell me anything. I just need to have something I can sink my teeth into. Because I'm. you're asking me, because they are, they're asking you to invest your money into someone that they're recommending. And doing your, your make sure, if I had a dollar, Brett, for every time I saw you, and I will tell you this, I try to watch every YouTube and uh, video out there. If you're putting out a podcast, not a, a podcast or a YouTube video, just think I'm watching it because <laughs> I am. And I'm going to have a, I'm actually going to put out a, not a challenge, but any one of these guys that are out there doing it, there's some good ones out there, come on my show. We'll talk about it. and will make you a verified source of information where you're going to be a non-verified source of information because If as like I said, if I had a dollar for every time someone said, "Here's my pick," but do your homework, I'd be a rich guy. And the problem is, you know how people do their homework? They do their homework by going and getting these picks, and that's just not a successful plan. Yeah,
1: I think in just hearing that, I think it's something I say a lot. It's when people are giving you information on someone to buy, if they're not giving you the why behind it, then you need to go move on and tune it out because this whole reacting to sales data in eBay and making recommendations based off of that, that's not helpful. Like we no. as a hobby need to start thinking more diligently and strategically about the content and information we're consuming and not doing what everyone else is doing. And that's why I always say you got to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. That's and right. Turning, turning left to me is doing the work and providing sound research and then presenting that back to your audience. And it's sad and I love consuming content and learning from others but it's sad i can, there's it's like on my on one hand i can count the amount of people that i actually go to and learn something from do you feel the same way i do
0: and in my last video it's funny cuz i talked um it's not out yet it's going in for editing now but I talk about the whole, you know, Stidham and Cam Newton and J.R. Smith and these things. And it's like you have to make sure that you you can't you can't be reactionary in this market where you're going to lose every time. You have to be proactive and always doing the research. I say in the always is look doing research is boring tedious laborious and guess what it's the most rewarding thing when you get it right and don't count on others to do that for you unless you can validate their work there's only a few guys that i'll go to and say look jordan can you do me a favor am i missing something with the numbers what's what's like with you you did a perfect thing with say like, i listened to that podcast you actually showed Here's the buckets I put these guys into. Here's what it is. Here's what it's not. And then what I did is I actually researched SECU. And I guess what? I checked the boxes and said, you know what? It's 100% right. So now I know if you're going to recommend someone, you're doing half my work So or more. So it's just one of these things where it's like you have to work back. And when I dealt, when I was with DEA, we had informants that would come into the office all the time. And these informants would give us, they were going to, you know, hey, Hey, kid, I'm going to make you a star. You're going to be a star agent. You're going to go into the White House and get an award because I'm going to make you a star. And they would give you all this information. And most of the time it was all baloney, but they just wanted to give you information. Why? Because they wanted to be paid for this information. They wanted something in return. And the people that got into the most trouble were younger age because these guys would come in and say, I'm going to make you the star agent and you're going to be famous and everything else. And they never verified the information. They ran out. They did things the wrong way just to try to, to get that quick fix. And that is not the way. And that's the same approach when you're looking at sports card invest investing you're not no one has that magical if someone tells you you should have bought 50 cam newtons a week before or he's the day before he signed or a week before with the patriots great i didn't see anyone doing that it's always hindsight because hindsight's always 20 20
1: 100 so that has me thinking about people that are listening what are things that i mean I got to be honest there. I'm a new content creator. You're a new content creator. We do the work and we feel like we present verified information because we're passionate about the making sure that we have Sound opinions and we're sharing that with our audience. And, but there's a lot of content creators that are popping up each and every day. And there's a lot, even more people that are trying to go through YouTube, hit podcasts and listen and consume as much information so they can go hit eBay and buy cards that they think are going to 3X, you know, in the next month or so. What are some like basic things that people can be doing as they're consuming new content creators on a regular basis? Like, are there, are there three or some easy things that that people can start thinking about when they're listening to people talk about investing in sports cards.
0: It's funny when I look at the YouTube content and the ones that get the most hits are best cards to pick, you know, under $25 or, you know, my surefire picks, and that's, and it's funny because I told I told my son, I said, next time we do a video. Just title it like surefire <laughs> Systems best way. And we'll get all the views, but we won't talk about that. Right. But my whole thing is look at the video that people are going to try to walk you through a process. There's so much. And again, I'm probably going to get blasted for this. There's I will I will not put out content for the sake of putting out. content. When I sit in front of the camera and you'll see I have notes because I have an agenda, I have an outline of what I want to cover. I'm never going to be that guy that just opens up a box of submission and say, like literally and say this because I've seen it and I'm sure you have too, is, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's got a nine. Oh, I didn't even know I put that one in. That does no one any good at all. I want to know what brought you to submitting that card and why you're spending that money on a submission. And then are you going to sell it? And if you're going to sell it, why are you going to sell it? It's all about information gathering. There's not one thing I could say because like I said, I watch it. I watch it all. And there's some definitely guys out there that are, but there's an 11 year old or 12 year old kid who I watched the other day. I watch every This kid, I think he's got, he had like 35 views. I think he's called the card collector. I don't know if you've seen this kid or not, but, he had best cards to buy under 99 cents. I'm like, I got to watch this, right? This <laughs> kid went on and he goes, it's an Anthony Davis Laker, first year Laker revolution card. And his mindset was, he goes, hey guys, it's his first year card. You know, I know like Prism or Optic are more expensive. Revolution is under he did more content than I've seen most guys that are, are are purporting themselves to be experts. So I wanted to give that kid a shout. I actually went on his, gave him a compliment. But that's the kind of thing. If you could show me a mindset and a rational decision-making, then, then I'm with you 100%. But that's just not there. And it's just, it's not healthy for the sport, or we'll call it sport. It's not healthy for our industry just to have people popping up and talking for the sake of talking and you'll identify those people pretty quick.
1: Totally. And I think a big part that I'm seeing, which is very discouraging is before we got on, we talked about it. It's that you got to have a passion and you got to watch the games and you got to study the yeah. players. And that's like to me, cards is a byproduct of being a fan of sports. And I've been in deep wit- in fantasy basketball and football leagues for the mm-hmm. last 10 to 15 years. They're very competitive and it's those deals yeah. where I, they're with my friends and other sports fans I'm connected with, and it's way less about the money and way more about the pride where we're all in the mm-hmm. game and we're all trying to outdo each other. So then I think about my process in approaching my fantasy leagues and lineups. And then, you know, as I got back into cards, I was like, hell, I can, I've collected cards as a kid. I can point this knowledge into the card market and not only enjoy collecting, but then make some money on the side. And I think- sure. It's how important do you think it is just to like have those that deep connection with with those sports? And do you feel like some people are presenting information on players they might not have ever watched before?
0: Well, yeah. Well that funny with fantasy sports and my in the video I talk about that DFS in itself is is a wealth of information. And we could talk about it at a later time, but but DFS and this and the studies and statistics that they have is 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 a uh, is it really worth looking at but as far as your question about that absolutely i mean anyone I'll bring it back to it because it's going to stick with me forever it's going to be the bagley case anyone <laughs> who can recommend marvin bagley to buy before the playoffs has not watched him play i mean the guy is probably he might not even play in the playoffs so how could the guy be a playoff buy if you want to say buy him after the season when he's probably going to dip and Maybe he's going to be, you know, move his position this Who knows? But that's the thing, too. You like, I will never recommend a card of a player that I have not researched or, or know about. And I think it's what we talked about before. But yeah, I mean, I don't know about soccer. I don't know about hockey. Yet you guys have come on here. And if you watch, you know what's really telling to, and, Watch the live chat when some of these guys go on and get asked questions. And I would have a lot more faith if they said, you know, I don't know this guy. I don't know who this player is. But if you send me a comment, I'll do my research. I'll look into him. I'll see what I can find and I'll let you know. Instead of just start saying stuff that is completely irrelevant or not helpful, you know?
1: Yeah. I fear that this is, what did you call the hobby right now? It, you come from a very regulated <laughs> job.
0: Yeah, I it before the call and it was very, <laughs> very, very well put. Yeah. I get on my soapbox sometimes and whether you want to believe it or not, this is the wild, wild west. There are no regulations. There's no compliance. This is like stock trading with no rule. And I liken it poker sometimes and somebody will walk in the poker room and look at them and you'll size them up. And that's what I did for a living. And when you're sitting at the table, they say at every poker table, there's at least one sucker. So (laughs) if you can't identify the sucker at the table, chances are it's you. And with this Problem now with with all this new money coming into this this hobbies industry. The sharks out there know it. They know it. I mean, who's buying sixty dollar Cam Newton rookie cards now when they were six dollars three weeks ago? You know, who bought all the Michael Jordan cards that were three and four dollars that they were selling for $35, 40 bucks? I mean, and now that people are upset because now the cards have dropped in value. Well, yeah, of course they did. But you have to protect yourself and you have to just know who to trust. I mean, cliche, you have to do your homework before you're jumping into this stuff. Totally.
1: And this is a kind of a broader question, but how does this get better? Does it get better? Is there any hope? I don't know.
0: I mean, honestly, I don't see it getting any better. This is kind of an, uh, maybe this year is an anomaly with like the perfect storm of a lot of people being home, some people getting stimulus checks and buying and buying stuff maybe they wouldn't normally buy. But you have the John Morant, you have Zion, you have a lot of second-tier rookies that could explode next year. And then you still have like the Lucas and the Trey that are just Super expensive, not to even talk about the Giannis and the LeBrons and you know the Durant factor. I don't know. I'm kind of disheartened in a way because it's not, this hobby is no longer accessible to the dad that walks into uh, Walmart with his kid and says, let's go buy a box of cards. You know why? Because there's no box of cards to buy. I mean... You see guys on Twitter or Instagram literally bragging how they went into Walmart and are walking out with you know thirty blasters or hangers of a product. And to me, it's like this is where we're going now: where you're going to buy twenty dollars blasters for eighty dollars on eBay, where you're going on Panini and you're going to buy a box of cards that was one hundred and twenty dollars last year, and now they're running Dutch, Dutch auctions or they're running cards like that are five hundred and six hundred dollars. Who could do that? You can't even buy a box or you know a case of hoops now for under 250 bucks or whatever it is and those cards were like literally like like who wanted them i don't know i don't know brett i mean i wish i could tell you that yeah it's gonna be great and things are gonna happen and i listened to uh, gary v the other day and he was talking one of the guys um who did a great interview with him it was i think it was jb from old town or old time sports like i don't i'll probably get it wrong but he did a great interview with with gary v and he was talking about the same subject and he said look What do you think's happening? And then Gary was like, well, I don't want to misquote him, but I'm I'm paraphrasing. He said something, well, I I think um, it's just because the cards are so scarce, like the scarcity of cards. Well, what's the alternative? alternative of that go back to the the junk wax era where we overproduce, so everybody can have a worthless card i I wish i had the answers but i just i just don't i just don't think that it's going to get any better for the casual and it's going to it's actually going to probably price some of the collectors out because now they just can't even afford to get into the into the collecting
1: totally it is a strange time there's tons of opportunity there's tons of good people there's tons of bad actors it's you name it, you'll find it in the sports card market and hobby at this point. I'm not going to let you go be- before you answer this question for me. You sure. mentioned the research I, I did, and I appreciate you recognizing the work I put into the Seiku pick. I tell people, people message me all the time with their Seiku card that they're buying. I tell people, I'm glad you're on the train. I'm not telling you to. I'm just sharing information about what I'm doing and why. And it's, I'm kind of being recognized as the Seku guy in the market. And I tell people, you know, Mm -hmm. I could, I could lose money off of this big time, but the risk I'm willing to take, I'm curious on your end, you do a lot of research, Mm -hmm. you do a lot of homework, who are some players, maybe a player or two that you're currently buying or looking into that maybe might fly under the uh, radar a little bit and why?
0: As I said, there's some people that know, you know, I told them I'm never going to be that guy that says, go buy this card. But there are certain guys that I do like, and I really like the second tier type rookies and one of the guys that I think has a chance and he's kind of, I don't think he's under the radar, but there's, and this, he's not even, he's not a rookie anymore. I'm going to give you one that you could say, okay, Andy told me that if it hits, then okay, I'm going to give <laughs> him all the credit in the world, right?
1: It'll be on do- it'll be documented here. Yeah.
0: Documented here forever. Right. And I talked to, I actually brought this guy by Jordan and Jordan's like, no, you're crazy. It's not going to happen. <laughs> there's a guy that plays for the Detroit Pistay. Hey, he's a, I'm going to give some hints out there. He plays for the Detroit Pistons. He is a. Five year veteran, undrafted free agent. That his, his contract year is coming up. He never played more than I don't know, twelve or fifteen games in a season, but he, paid, he played sixty two, I think, last year. He's, his last three or four games, he was averaging thirty plus points a game. And depending on when this guy goes to the next team, I think he has a shot. Now his cards are kind of scarce because I've been looking to to, to kind of grab them myself. I've been full transparency. But this guy's name is Christian Wood. Yeah. How many people have heard of Christian Wood? He's a UNLV
1: kid, I think.
0: That's right. You got it. UNLV. And Sixer, undrafted from the Sixers, went everywhere. And he finally caught some fire, caught, found a home in Detroit. Now, I don't know if Detroit's going to be able to keep him. I think from looking at it, because I wanted to see, like, if they don't keep him, where could he end up? Because where this guy ends up could make or break his value as far as cards go. So one of the places that he's rumored to go to is Boston. So if he went to Boston, I think he's got a shot to do some good things. But there's tons of guys out there now that I like. And look, I think in this hobby, and I'd like to get your opinion on it, you can't be risk adverse because you're not going to hit on every single guy. But I do like some of those second-tier guys. I mean, there's guys out there, like they always talk about John Morant on the Grizzlies. I love John, but there's also a guy out there named Brandon Clark, who I think... Has a really good shot. I like his game a lot. Who's the, the trick is, right? Who's going to be that that blow up guy next year? And if That's we did hilarious. that, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But but um, yeah. The it with me, it's just looking at everyone and then just spreading out, being risk adverse to the point where you're spreading things out. I know I will never put all my ducks in one basket because it's just not the way to do it.
1: So no, I love it. And this is why I love having these conversations. You are certainly the first person I've ever heard mention Christian Wood, but your thought process is very sound. And I will say this, this is something not a lot of people talk about, but you just mentioned it. Look at people's contracts. People don't talk about contracts, but what you just said about Christian Wood, he had a nice end of his season. They might not keep him in Detroit, but he might end up in a, there's rumors and you're doing your research, he might end up in a place like Boston. Okay, well, Boston's a great fit for almost any player, right? They've got a great coach. It's a great market. And that's how you hit on players. And I think trying to understand contract terms and those variables is really critical in the, Because I'm like you, man. I do. I love John Morant. Like, I love Luca. I've got their cards. They're expensive. Like, do... are they they are. are I mean, every time I buy a John Morant slabbed card, I... It's just like, man, that's a lot of money. But I just, the reason I do it is because I think a year from now, the card's going to be 3x what it is because I believe in him that much. That's one way to invest. But I think the more fun way to invest is finding these hidden gems that exist and that are in situations like. My brother and I talk about this all the time. I love the Grizzlies in general. I mean, Mm -hmm. if if you have a league pass, just go watch them. You got Jai, you got Triple J, you got Brandon Clark. They've just got a lot of young, fun talent. But like, I think like, a way to think about it, too, is when you're looking at players that are younger is if they haven't had the chance or they've had a chance, but the team's really good and they've just they've seen you've seen some success. Think that that player might go on his next contract, might be in a bigger role somewhere else. And think about those types well, of players. You know, it's funny.
0: It's funny because my son it was a big Pistons fan. He grew up literally at the palace. His, his best friend was uh, Joe Dumars' nephew. So they used to hang out at the family room. And, you know, that's something that I said, you're going to remember this, how lucky you were one day. But he said, he goes, he goes, Dad, look at Christian Wood. I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but just do an evaluation of, of what you think about him. And I'm like, he's 24 years old. He's undrafted. He's never played over 20 games. He's averaged 22 points in his last 10 games. He's seven feet. He's super athletic. What do you think? And I'm looking and the more I'm looking, I'm like, no, I to buy a few cars and just like you're saying, maybe get them slabbed up and hold them. And you just don't know because everybody's on the top 10 or top 15 guys, but it's that one guy out there that if you can put your hands on or you can be, look at that, it's fine. But the thing is, I tell anyone that will listen, you can take the process. If you guys watch the video, I'll go through the whole process of what I usually do. And that's one of the things when I was looking back, I said, like, what's his contract? Well, he's in you know, he's in the second year of his rookie contract. So next year is gonna be the year that he either has to make or break it. And there's some guys in their last year, their contract now, where where are they gonna end up? Like Josh Jackson, I don't know where he's gonna go, but, but he's gonna go somewhere. You know, maybe that ship has sailed. I don't know there's some other guys out there you just have to like turn every stone and because the littlest thing that you might miss you never know what's going to happen if christian wood who's probably going to be the biggest flop now that i'm telling you guys <laughs> He goes to Boston. If he goes to Boston and they start him at center and Boston's got a great young team and they got a great fan base and you know the people in Boston love their their Celtics, who knows? It's just one of those things where it's like, it's worth a look at
1: Totally. And I, I, I bring people on this show that are stacking slabs verified or people that I want to hear from. And I have found and typically what I do, I always, I, ask question. I always ask that question. And I typically go buy a couple of cards based on people recommending some things. So I'm going to go look at Christian Wood after this, and because I trust you're a verified source for me, Andy. This is Well, I'm going to say,
0: Brett. I was going to yeah. say, wait till I get mine, and then what I'll do is I'll put out a <laughs> video that says I really am high on Christian <laughs> Wood, and then I'll and then I'll make sure that you can go buy it at ten times value. That kills me, but that's of course, that's a joke. But you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I'll make sure I pump it through all my social channels and we'll get, we'll start th- <laughs> the Christian Wood hype starts right now, everybody. Oh, Ta-da. man. <laughs> this is so much fun. Definitely would love to have you back on. Go check out Sports Card Investigator on the gram and on YouTube. Andy, this was awesome. Thanks so much for your time and I uh, hope to chat again real soon.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for your time, Brent. I really enjoyed it. Thank Thanks,
1: man. Wow. That was just a fascinating conversation for me. And I think it's always important for people in the hobby to be flexing into their superpower. That is a theme I talk a lot about. Andy certainly does that. Hope you all learn something from the conversation. And then my biggest takeaway is always be vigilant when consuming content and making sure that you're always asking the question why behind people's takes. That's so important. If you like what you heard on Stacking Slabs, hit me with that five-star review. Always appreciate that. That means so much to me. Most importantly, take care of yourself, take care of your house, and take care of others around you. Happy collecting. Happy investing. Talk to you again real, real soon.